When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Check out our amazing offers on Xfinity Internet. You'll get fast speed and Wi-Fi coverage you can count on. Plus, get advanced security free with the XFi Gateway, so you can keep the connected devices in your home protected from network threats. Just log in and activate through the Xfinity app. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Today on Not Sam Wrestling, so much to dissect the dramatic, dramatic world of professional wrestling. We had an epic SmackDown on Friday. Ryan from WrestleBots joins us. This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Here he is. Sam Roberts, welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. I mean, first of all, if you're in America, happy holiday week. It's Labor Day. If you're listening to this on time, the minute it drops, if not, hope you had a good Labor Day. If you're not even in the United States, I mean, I hope you're just having a good week. I hope you, I hope your day is good. You know? Um, I will tell you this. What's great about wrestling is if you don't want to follow news, if you don't want to follow anything, if you don't want to even get involved in what's going on in your personal life, there are enough dramatics to go around. There is plenty happening in the world of professional wrestling that you really don't need to concern yourself with anything that is happening outside of it. Uh, I mean... This week alone, this weekend alone, I feel like every time we turn around, there's another story that has everybody talking. I'm not complaining. I think uh, an active wrestling community is a good wrestling community, for the better or the worse. Still good for the wrestling community at large. Uh, so much to dissect, though, uh, going into this podcast today. I don't even really know where to start. Um, I mean, I guess it's amazing. Before we get into some of the dirtier, grimier stuff, let's just talk about being a wrestling fan, okay? Because this is what struck me as I was watching SmackDown on Friday. And it wasn't even... There was a lot good with SmackDown on Friday, which we'll get there. We'll get there. But what really struck me the most, I think, what gave me, what took me back the most was the segment in the ring watching uh, AJ Styles, Sami Zayn... And Jeff Hardy, all three of them fighting over who the true Intercontinental Champion was. Of course, Sami Zayn saying nobody ever beat him for the title, and he still has his championship. Jeff Hardy, who just became the new Intercontinental Champion, and AJ Styles saying he should never have lost it. That's not fair. He's still the champion in his mind. But what I was really thinking, and I hope that this isn't lost on people, because I feel like I feel like it is. I I mean, if if you if you really think about it. I think that AJ Styles and Sami Zayn have both completely acclimated in a good way to WWE lifestyle in the sense that when you look at AJ Styles, you don't think of anything except WWE superstar AJ Styles. And when you look at Sami Zayn, you don't think of anything except WWE superstar Sami Zayn. But the reality is that it wasn't that long ago. Let's, let's say 10 years. 
Let's say you go back to 2010. If you went back 10 years and you told me that there would be a WWE in which El Generico, Jeff Hardy, and AJ Styles were going to have a triple threat rivalry for the Intercontinental Championship, I would say that you're lying. Now, you would also have to break it to me that, look, that's going to have the entire world is going to fall apart that year, but you will have this rivalry. I'd go, okay, I think I'm willing to make the trade-off because you talk about dream matches and your dream matches end up being Undertaker versus Sting, you know, uh, Steve Austin versus CM Punk, you know, like these big sort of The Rock and John Cena was considered a dream match. But you don't, I don't know, familiarity breeds contempt, but you just don't sometimes realize that years ago, the match that we're seeing in front of our face would have been something that we would have been losing our minds for as wrestling fans. Matter of fact, that's why I think it is so imperative after seeing what WWE is doing. It seems like every single weekend, adding new WXW shows, adding new ICW shows, Evolve shows, new independent uh, content to the WWE network, content created by wrestling promotions that were not WWE. They're adding new shows, full shows to the network all the time. But what it does, I think the most valuable thing that that does is it gives you a context for somebody like Timothy Thatcher, for example, that we don't have to take your word. I've thought that I've wanted to see Timothy Thatcher translate to a WWE ring since I don't I don't even know what year it was. But it was I mean, for at least six years, I would say. I would say about six years, six years ago, I, I I told people that I wanted to see how Timothy Thatcher Thatcher would translate to a WWE ring because there was just nobody in WWE that was remotely like that guy. And I watched him perform and I'm just like, man, he's amazing and he's unique and he's realistic. And there's so much there to tap, to tap into. Uh, and I think that it's one thing to appreciate what he's doing in NXT now. But I think when you can go back and look at Evolve shows, that's when you can really realize the talent that you're watching in the ring. I think Matt Riddle, you know, there, there are people who only know Matt Riddle from SmackDown. And honestly, they'd be like, yeah, Matt Riddle's cool. Like sometimes he wins, sometimes he loses, sometimes he dominates, sometimes he has great matches, sometimes his matches are only okay. Sometimes he wins, but he gets beaten up most of the match. Like, you know, there hasn't really been... He hasn't really been defined as a performer on SmackDown yet. But with the WWE Network, you can go back and see him on NXT, and you can kind of start to get an idea, but then you can go back and look at those Evolve shows and go, oh, my God, Drew McIntyre. We've always had access to the stuff that he did in, you know, three-on-B and three-man band and, and, you know, the story of how he got fired. He tells that story, how he got fired, and how when he was gone— he changed himself as a performer. Well, some of the international independents that were uploaded to the WWE Network tell that story. And we get to see who Drew McIntyre became when he left WWE. Uh, and I think there are a lot of superstars and there are a lot of rivalries that that context, when added to it, could be very, very helpful. Uh, I think that this is one of them. I think that if anything... The AJ Styles, Sami Zayn, 
Jeff Hardy rivalry proves that it's imperative that sooner rather than later, WWE somehow acquire the rights to early Ring of Honor. And I mean, you know, the first 10 years and to early Impact Wrestling. And that's because when you look at that roster, there's a generation of guys that came up through Ring of Honor. And there's a generation of guys that came up through Impact now. I mean, imagine if you could see, imagine if you could build a Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn rivalry using footage of Generico and Kevin Steen. Imagine if we could put Sami Zayn in the context of what Generico did. And I know they're two different people. They just know each other or whatever. I don't know. But <laughs> imagine if you could sit there and paint this match. And by the way, when you're telling that Jeff Hardy story, when you're telling the Jeff Hardy story with Sheamus, imagine if you can go back and look at what happened in the match with Sting at that pay-per-view at TNA, you know? But imagine if you could sit there and you could look at the golden age of Jeff Hardy, which is probably, you know, towards the end of that first decade of the 2000s, you know, when he was his world title reign. And all that, his stuff he did with CM Punk, the, 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 a lot, a lot that he did. You can go back and look at that. You can look at the TLC stuff. You can look at all the early Jeff Hardy stuff. And then imagine you could couple that with stuff that Sami Zayn did in Ring of Honor, the stuff that El Generico did in Ring of Honor, and the, and the stories that were told through that character. And then imagine you could go back and look at how much AJ Styles did in TNA. Maybe you let Impact keep all the Impact stuff and you just buy up the stuff that's TNA. Whatever you have to do. But imagine if you could really tell the story of this triple threat. Not just that it's AJ Styles versus Jeff Hardy versus Sami Zayn. But that put in a certain context, you could argue that it's one of the greatest triple threat rivalries of all time. That this is a match... This is why WWE acquires the talent that WWE acquires, so they can put together a match like this. And the fact that in 2020, all three of those guys are still performing on the level that they're performing at, I would say Jeff Hardy in amazement first, AJ Styles second, and Sami Zayn round in third. But just that in 2020, all three of these guys are going to have the ability to tear down the house again. I think if this is your triple threat going into Night of Champions and you had that kind of stuff to show the world, you're looking at a whole different ballgame when it comes to presenting this match. A whole different ballgame. Um, but it makes me excited. It makes me, it's same thing for as you build towards Adam Cole versus Finn Balor. I mean, I guess you would need to get New Japan footage for Finn Balor, but a lot of this Adam Cole stuff, if you had some of his Ring of Honor footage, you could really, you could eventually do a Kevin Owens Adam Cole rivalry and bring up the stuff with Steen and Cole in Ring of Honor. Who knows? Maybe take it a step further and you try to gather up some of that PWG stuff. But there's so much history with so many people on the roster right now that I think it really is imperative that you start scooping up libraries just so you can tell these stories in through the lens of not just what they've done in WWE, but in the entire world of wrestling. Because I think that in 2020, you're dealing with, you're just dealing with a smarter fan. You're dealing with a fan who has YouTube, 
You're dealing with a fan who has the ability to follow these guys' careers throughout their entire careers. So why not show the world? Why hide from the world what they did before they came to WWE? Especially if you own the footage. That's, that's what I think would be so important. Um, so speaking of owning footage and stuff, you know, a couple of controversies. Uh, I did watch the pay-per-view on Saturday. However, here's my thing. We talked about it a bunch uh, with the Patreon folks at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. Um, when it comes to Wednesdays, all I ever talk about is NXT. Even when other people do well, when other people do well, I don't talk about the good stuff that they do. So I also refuse to come on this podcast and talk about stuff that maybe did not work out or stuff that is doesn't look so good for them. So I don't really want to get into the Matt Hardy stuff and everything just because I don't think it would be fair for me because I don't talk about, if I'm not going to talk about the good news, I'm not going to talk about the bad news. You know what I mean? Um, but that controversy broke at the same time as controversy broke on the internet that there were reports that WWE wasn't going to allow talent to uh, be on Twitch and Cameo anymore. That was the rumor. Uh, and Andrew Yang is tweeting about it. Like, you know, I don't know if Andrew Yang is getting his news from dirt sheets, but uh, it's, a, it's just a weird world we live in, man. It's a weird world. Look, uh, some of the people, uh, you know, I have no idea. I'm not a WWE superstar. I'm not under any deal like that. So I would have no idea what they signed for or anything. I think, it, you know, some of the, uh, People from WWE have been on their own Twitch streams and stuff like that and saying that it really has everything to do with these characters. And I, I get that, you know, WWE. I mean, think about it this way. If we knew today, if if we knew about Terry Bollea back then, what we knew about him today, it would be a lot harder for WWE to turn Hulk Hogan into the character that he became. I think, you know, when you're creating characters on television, you want to you want to control that intellectual property. And that makes sense to me. You know, it seems like you're going to see a, a lot of these people just kind of use their real names, you know? I look, if I'm running the company, I don't I don't want my people going on their streams and using character names or, you know, divulging information about the company or just doing things that aren't flattering. But if you're going to go on, use your real name, and you're not going to talk about work, I think that's what you're going to see. You're going to see people go onto these things, use their real name, and not talk about work. And I think that that's, that's hopefully where it goes and where, where I would think it would end, but who knows? We'll see. We'll see. Then yet more drama, Authors of Pain being released. Uh, I don't know what the deal with that is. I'm a big fan of the Authors of Pain. Um, you know, their NXT stuff was great, but I think they had a lot of potential on the main roster. I mean couple of guys just going in and crushing everybody. Uh, I, I think it's a good thing. And, you know, they got rid of uh, Paul Ellering uh, as soon as they got to the main roster, which I guess was a necessity. Drake Maverick was there for a while. But the thing about Drake Maverick is he was so entertaining that he almost took the attention away without intending to, and not even in a negative way. It just changed what the Authors of Pain was. I thought the Authors of Pain were awesome as Seth Rollins enforcers. You know, I, I, I love the idea of Seth Rollins pushing Buddy Murphy to the breaking point, having Buddy turn on Seth only for the Authors of Pain to come back. You know, I, I, I think the idea of having 
a badass set of dudes that look kind of like the brothers in Breaking Bad, the cartel brothers in Breaking Bad. You know, just that, not in the sense that they're these big guys, but just in the sense that they look similar to each other and they're an intimidating presence. They're the enforcers. The two guys behind you as the enforcers. I just, I like that thing. And I think the authors of pain were good as enforcers. So we'll see where they end up next. You know, I think uh, those two behemoths in New Japan would be good or uh, even impact, but I don't think, I don't think they'll be done in the world of wrestling. And then you had Drew McIntyre and Tyson Fury going after each other on Twitter. Drew McIntyre and Tyson Fury. I don't have any desire to see Drew McIntyre versus Tyson Fury, but uh, if I were to see that, I would hope that I would hope that Drew McIntyre would do to Tyson Fury, quite frankly, what Adam Cole did to Pat McAfee. Let's get some work out of Tyson Fury, but ultimately, let's have the wrestler win. Let's see Drew McIntyre come out victoriously. I think that could be good, but I think Drew's got to win the match, and I don't know if Tyson Fury uh, would be down for that, quite frankly. Uh, let's get into what else happened on SmackDown before we get into our interview. Ryan, uh, from WrestleBotch, one of my favorite Instagram accounts in the world, is on the show today. But, uh, not only did you have the, uh, uh, triple rivalry building intercontinental title segment, um, I think we can officially say that Retribution is now a Raw act. It doesn't seem like they're attacking SmackDown whatsoever anymore. It seems like they're starting to narrow their focus, which ultimately is a good thing. You know, I think that we've got to find out who Retribution is. And more importantly, we've got to find out why Retribution is. So if that focus is being narrowed, I think it's a good thing. Obviously, we saw them on Raw last week. Hopefully, we'll see them on Raw tonight do something. And we got to have some questions answered with Retribution. Otherwise, people are just going to start rolling their eyes entirely. Um, But you had uh, two, I think, huge chunks of that thing, which was the Sasha and Bailey uh, relationship finally coming to an end. Um, I know there are people that wanted Sasha Banks to turn healed and wanted her to be a bad guy, myself included to some extent. I love a bad guy, Sasha Banks. I love the boss. Uh, But realistically, I think it's going to be a lot of work to get people to boo Sasha Banks and cheer for Bailey. Bailey has done her best work in her career as a heel. People like booing Bailey right now, and she does a great job of making sure that they do just that. So I think this is the only way to really go. Um, You know, I'm not surprised that it happened now. I wouldn't have been surprised, I guess, if they extended it another six months and had it happen later. But the path that they were on, unless you're committed to leaving all the championships on Sasha and Bailey for a long time, I don't think there's any any other direction you could have possibly gone in. Um, As I said on the bump, once the titles are off, once once Sasha and Bailey don't have all the titles, they got none of the titles. Once Sasha and Bailey do not have every title, they don't even have a relationship anymore. The whole relationship is built on the fact that they have all the gold and they're equals. Once they don't have all the gold anymore, the team's over. It's done. The runs the run is finished and it's time to turn them. So, I'm glad that they didn't stretch this out longer with Bailey going like, well, I'm a champion and Sasha Banks kind of rolling her eyes because it would have just gone on forever. Um, So yeah, 
I think uh, I think this is the way to go. I would, but but that said, uh, I would not mind at all. You know, we had Bailey take out Sasha Banks. You know, I would not mind at all getting creative with this thing and and playing it out over the long term. I would not mind having, you know, going like Stone Cold Brian Pillman on this. Maybe not quite that far, but having Sasha Banks join via satellite from a TV studio and have Bailey jump her again in the TV studio. Like, if you could keep Sasha Banks off TV or at least out of the building and make it so that she can't compete. Like, make it 60 days before Sasha Banks can compete again. And then you can finally build to that uh, to that uh, uh, Survivor Series match. You could finally build to Bailey versus Sasha Banks at Survivor Series. But I think that's the way, because otherwise they're going to have to fight at Clash of Champions. So you could do that. And I have a good feeling that that will happen. But I wouldn't mind seeing that get stretched out longer and seeing Sasha Banks not on, not quote unquote being able to compete as we build towards that. Um, and then, of course, starting the show with the Paul Heyman, Roman Reigns, uh, promo you know it's 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 the classic quote but uh we know a good bad guy believes what he's doing isn't bad and to see the justification from Paul Heyman not only on Roman Reigns part but on his own part to see it brought up that he was fired to see that be a part of this thing you know to not just go well I always knew Roman Reigns was special and now he's ready to succeed to go like they fired me and when Roman decided to take time off for his family, they erased him. Why wouldn't we be upset? We have a common enemy. And you're going like, yep, this makes complete sense. I love this. I love this. And you're not sitting there having Roman Reigns being over the top bad guy. You're just having him have an attitude, have a chip on his shoulder and know that he's better than everybody else, no matter what WWE tries to do to his legacy. Uh, and I think that's great. And the swerve of having Jay Uso win that four-way. I mean, I don't see, I see this being a one and done. You know, I see this being the pay-per-view match for this pay-per-view. But I mean, I think this is Jay Uso's time to shine, man. You know, talk about opportunities being given to you. This is Jay's opportunity to show the world what he can do. So I'm super, super I'm excited for it, and it's different, man. Different is good. Different is fun. I enjoy different. So I'm I'm very excited uh, to see what happens with this thing. You know, I, I, I think that it's, uh, it's a very good move. Very exciting move, as a matter of fact. Um, yeah, so Clash of the Champions is looking very interesting. Jey Uso, oh, yes. And I think that, uh, that the Jay Uso move is also a move to keep Big E out of the title picture. You know, I don't think Big E is at this point now where we would believe that he could beat Roman Reigns. So I think that having this happen is a very good moment to allow Big E to continue to work his way into that scene without actually being beaten in that match. You know, I don't think that they're done with Big E versus Sheamus. So I would imagine... If they've got room for a match that's not a title match, we'll see another Big E Sheamus match. But have Big E beat Sheamus for another month. Have him go and beat Corbin the month after that. You know, 
And then who knows? Maybe by the time we get to Survivor Series, we're ready. Although Survivor Series is usually champion versus champion, right? We'll see. We'll see how it all pans out. But hopefully it's not botched, right? Hey, speaking of botched, one of my favorite Instagram accounts in the world is WrestleBotch. I've known about it for a long time. I, was, I think I was a pretty early follower of it. Uh, and it's amazing. It's just wrestling botches. And I, I, I adore wrestling botches. I adore wrestling, but I adore botches as well. So uh, this week on the podcast, uh, I had the opportunity to sit down and talk with Ryan, who runs the WrestleBotch account about his favorite botches, about how he got the account started, about uh, the motivation behind the account and why it is still a fan account. Why at the end of the day, he's doing this as a fan, not as somebody who's trying to laugh at the performers that we all love so very, very much. So here he is this week, my guest on Not Sam Wrestling from WrestleBotch. It's, uh, it's Ryan. The Not Sam Wrestling Interview. We're now joined by somebody that I've been, uh, I would say, an admirer uh, of for quite some time, certainly a fan of, of his work, uh, and it is work. Uh, he's a curator of some of the great moments in the history of professional wrestling. Uh, Ryan from WrestleBotch is with us uh, today. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm pretty good. Thank you so much for having me. It's funny. I was just looking at some of the guests that you've had. Like you've interviewed The Rock, Steve Austin. Yeah. You just interviewed The Undertaker. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just have to ask myself, what the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> no, I've, I, got, <laughs> I got a single text and it was, hey, man, would you want to talk to Ryan from WrestleBotch on your podcast? I was like, yep. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Shout out to Adam Glenn. <laughs> Adam Glenn hooked it up. <laughs> um, I'll tell you why, but now for me, it's a very good time to do this. Because, of course, I, I would hope by now enough people know what WrestleBotch is. But if you don't, it's exactly what it sounds like. And that's one of the things that I love about WrestleBotch is that you don't, as the Instagram account has grown, you haven't tried to turn it in. Well, WrestleBotch is the brand, but really we're so much more. It's like you follow because you want to see hilarious clips of botches in wrestling. And that's what you get. It just stays that way. And so I respect that, that as it's grown, you're not sitting there trying to reinvent this thing so that people like me are going like, why, is, why are you changing this? But, but the reason now is such a good time to have this conversation is because when I, uh, when I first started getting to do my own radio show on Sirius XM, uh, it was called the Than and Sam show. It was me and another Opie and Anthony staffer. Uh, and we got to do it like once every six weeks at midnight on a Saturday night on the channel. But it was like, you know, I would spend so much time curating content as a producer for other shows that I'm like, okay, well, what can I make mine? And this was almost 15 years ago at this point. And I'm sitting there and I'm doing like uh, going through stuff, figuring out what I want to talk about on this radio show that I'm going to do. And I have the WWE 24-7 classics on before the WWE Network, the cable on demand channel. And I'm watching some like old NWA thing that was on there or something. And it was just on in the background. And I hear Magnum TA. Oh, boy. And I hear the words. I'm going to come on you like no man has ever come on you before. And I, like, Such a up. classic promo. I looked up from what I was doing and I was like, what did he just say? And like I rewound it on my DVR. And then I think I spent the rest of the afternoon trying to figure out how to get the content off of my cable box and onto my computer so I could put it on the show and everything. But the fact that finally, uh, just this week, I think, 
that promo ends up on WrestleBotch is, uh, I, it feels full circle to me and it feels near and dear. Here we are after all that time. It's yeah. beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, there's just been, I mean, what you just spoke about is more or less why I started doing it is there's so many amazingly bad wrestling moments and I'm not going to pretend that I'm the first one that decided to like, everyone knows what Botchamania is like yeah, sports, sports bloopers in general, or, you know, you could go down a YouTube vortex and find 5 million things. But um, especially with Instagram, I felt like no one was really putting these hilariously bad moments together on Instagram. And if no one's going to do it, then it might as well be me. Are we allowed to curse by the way? Sure. Knock okay. yourself out. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so there is something to me, too, about these botches that it's one thing, because, of course, I've watched Botchamania since it started. Like, it's my it, – that and WrestleBotch are, like, my favorite things on the internet. But I think if you're a wrestling fan, you do get to a point where at a certain age, botches just become your favorite thing. And it's not even like you're making fun of it. Like, you're not doing – you're not watching this stuff and getting a kick out of it because you're like, oh, look how much wrestling sucks because it, it's, it's the thing – that you're the biggest fan of in the world. But I think there's just something about, it's like being a stand-up comedy fan and searching out for moments when stand-ups just bombed on stage. They just had an off night and just nobody laughed at anything they said. And I think there are there is a certain type of stand-up fan that's like, yeah, I gotta see, yes, he's one of my favorite comic, comics, but I wanna see what happens when it just doesn't work. Yeah, definitely. And you hit on another good point. And I think most people get it when they see the page. They realize that I am just a fan. Obviously, I'm not just shitting on it like, haha, like he missed that move by three inches. What an idiot. Um, it's more about like celebrating failure, celebrating these like awful moments or, you know, these awkward moments because pro wrestling in itself is such a like to a normal, <laughs> to a normal person. It, <laughs> like we were just talking about before we started recording, there's almost like a shame that you have as a pro wrestling fan, or at least I have where wrestling's just kind of this like outlaw or like kind of goofy thing. And obviously the WWE is fucking massive publicly traded company, but there's just something about pro wrestling that when there's a botch, when there's something unexpected that happens that it, it just, it's, so fun it's funny it's a feel-good thing um so it is important to me when i do put together these awful clips that uh people realize that i'm not just trying to shit on it directly that i am a fan and that it's uh just a a, a dumb little thing that uh, i ended up getting carried away with that kind of took on of its own yeah and i feel like there's a certain pride in i mean it's one thing to see an old clip and be like, oh my God, like, you know, when I'm a kid, did I realize how much gold there was in every Steve Mongo McMichael match and promo? <laughs> no, probably not. I didn't realize the gold that I was watching at the time. It's not until you watch it through a certain lens that you're like, oh my God, I can't believe this even existed. Exactly. But, but there is this like pride in being able to have caught a botch live. Like, for for my life like i, I want to get it on a, on a plaque or something like that i feel such a badge of honor that i remember sitting at home as a kid watching the free-for-all and hearing jim ross look at sid and say we're live pal and i'm like <laughs> the fact that i didn't find that on the internet i remember watching that and knowing at the time 
oh, that was a big, that was a big mistake. Um, and that to me, that, that to me is probably my favorite stuff where I'm like, yep, yep. I was there from the beginning. Oh, definitely. And to your point, when the WWE, obviously they have the ability to edit these things on the network and some of the older stuff is clearly like really bad moments. They've edited out. So uh, going down the rabbit hole, trying to find some of these clips, because a lot of people send it to me, like it's user submitted and you can't find it on the WWE network. It's not on a DVD. So you'll literally have someone's like pay-per-view recording on a VHS from like 1996 or something like that. So there's like a, a little rush when you find something that's just completely, I mean, that Sid clip that you referenced is obviously like a really famous one. But um, I love finding those little hidden gems that are just uh, that you don't see everywhere. And that's kind of what I try to put up on the page, or at least what really gives me a thrill is finding those like really bad 80s clips. I know uh, we were talking about like the Magnum TA promo that goes off the rails. Um, I don't know if you remember uh, you and Jim played, uh, was it the Kevin Von Erich promo that you played on the air? Uh, not Kevin. Uh, yes. Was it yes. Kevin? I, I think it might have been. What did he say? Oh, no, it was, it was David Von Erich. Uh-huh. And he's issuing like a, this crazy threat, maybe on Tully Blanchard or something like that. And then out of nowhere at the end of the promo, he says uh, something like, you touched me in a personal way. You've never <laughs> touched me before or something where you're just like, wait, what the fuck did he just say? Like, Why what? Say that? Yeah. <laughs> I love finding those like, bad 80s promos and stuff uh, again because i'm such a fan and i you know love all that old school stuff but i think it's also like important to note that you know like you have to know that if you had a live mic in front of you and were responsible for hours of content and everything we all know we would be in the same boat it's not like we're looking at this person going like oh how stupid are they i'd be great like we know it's happened to me like oh, dude. like you know it would happen I, and the irony is I'm like the clumsiest motherfucker in the world. Like I'm not a great public speaker, even coming on this podcast. I'm like, Oh my God, like, what am I going to say that I'm going to be like, Oh, why'd you do that? So you're absolutely right. Um, so it does, I guess, get to me a little bit. Like when you scroll through the comments and you can see that most people get it, but some people are just coming from like a hateful place. And that's not like what I want at all. And uh, most people get it. So that's good. But there are, you know, that there is that segment of people that uh, are just, especially with like the women wrestlers, you know, the kind of, I hate to say it, but like the typical male wrestling fan that neck beards. Yeah. Maybe like the monster energy type uh, tri <laughs> tribal tattoo where it's like, why are these women in wrestling? It's like, dude, fucking relax a little bit. All right. Yeah. That wasn't like you, you're sitting there going like, do I need to put on clips of women doing amazingly well in matches so that people understand that this isn't what this account is about? Because really, if you look at it, there's many more clips of men being very, very bad. Than oh my God. Yeah. Very, very it's pro like not probably 99% male to female ratio. Yeah. Um, but people, yeah. Wrestling fans. Uh, th there's some, there's some characters out there. So when you were first starting, it's I'm sure now it's a little bit easier because I'm sure now you get a ton of, of submissions from people who are following you just because the account has picked up so much steam. But in the beginning, I mean, part of the, thing about starting an Instagram account it's like starting a podcast or starting a series on YouTube where you can have a ton of energy 
going into it. And then you realize, oh, I have to keep doing this. Like I can't, like you could, you could find five botches that you loved and go, oh, I'm going to start an Instagram account. But it's like, you've spent six months and you had five botches. Like you need to now every single day be posting new stuff. Like you're responsible for all this content now. So before you were getting as many submissions as you're getting, are you just watching a ton of wrestling, hoping that something comes up? Have, have, had you been collecting stuff kind of quietly just for your own amusement for years? I was collecting stuff for a while before I decided to put it on the internet. But um, just a, a lot of late nights, like going down the fucking rabbit hole on weird torrent websites to find like original uh, broadcasts of pay-per-views. And uh, then I guess as it picked up, people started sending me more clips to the point now where I can't even begin to keep up with it. But I guess there's just been so many decades of wrestling that if you're going to go back and post old school stuff from like even the seventies and early eighties, there's unlimited content. Like you just have to look for it. There's just so much wrestling out there. And I mean, even now, I mean, obviously with COVID things have changed a little bit or quite a bit, but um, going back the last 10 years with all the indie promotions popping up, there's no shortage of content. And, you know, I'm lucky that people send it to me um, for better or worse. Like when someone fucks something up, I'll have 87 people being like, dude, did you see what happened on Raw last night? And sometimes it's like a really great clip. And sometimes it's just like, yeah, like I don't, it, it needs to be really, really funny. It needs to like pass a test. Uh, one thing I do is um, I like the page to not just be for wrestling fans, but to be for comedy fans. So if you're uh, like a normie, you know, someone who doesn't follow wrestling is looking at it, are they going to think it's funny? If not, then it probably won't make the page. I don't want it to be like a, you know, exclusive club where you need to know like every fucking wrestling move going back to 1967 to understand what's happening in the botch. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's just, there's an endless amount of content that's out there. And, uh, you know, hopefully I can keep cracking away at getting the worst of the worst up there. Yeah, it does have to be one of those things where all you need to do, you need to understand the premise of professional wrestling. And if you can understand what the premise is, then you can enjoy the content. And luckily, it's like quick and stuff. Do you try to limit the amount of independent stuff versus mainstream stuff? Just because there is, number one, there's so much independent stuff. But also, to me, I feel like as, I mean, when, when they go on Botchamania, when they start doing just the montages of people falling off the top rope in the indies, I could just watch it for hours and hours. But at the same time, like if I'm on your page and I know I'm getting a couple of clips, uh, you know, three, four clips a week, whatever it is, and that's it, I'm like, you would expect young guys on the indies to make mistakes. That's not so far-fetched. It's, sure. it's a totally different deal when you're live on pay-per-view or when you're on television or when you're one of the top names in the world. Yeah, and you, definitely. And, that's, and like Sid... Sid messing up promo after promo after promo is a lot different than some kid who, you know, slips off the ropes because he's not ready to do a plancha. Yeah, exactly. So the, I love, I love posting the indie stuff. Don't get me wrong, but exactly as you just said, it needs to be really, really good. And by good, I generally mean terrible for it to go up on the page. And I also don't want it to be super mean spirited. So yeah. if it's some young indie guy who barely misses a move or something, or it's just like, eh, like, I don't want to embarrass this guy. And to that point, if people, I, I've gotten messages before from people like, Hey, can you take that down? Or, 
especially the Wasted Fan Wednesday hashtag. Uh, that always blows my mind how popular <laughs> some of those clips get. Where like after a day, there's 75,000 views. And then all of a sudden, this person in the video is messaging me like, hey, I wasn't wasted in that. Can you please take that down? I'm like, you know, sure. <laughs> yeah, you will take it down, though. If somebody oh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, again, I don't want it to come from a hateful place. Um, so if someone is really hurt by something that's on there, I mean, technically, if the person filming it is sending it to me, I, you know, they're giving me permission to use it. But at the end of the day, I don't want to be an asshole. I don't want to hurt people's feelings. And you know, if so, if there's a request to take something down that's respectful, then I'll usually take it down. When did you realize that uh, you were onto something that not only like the internet was going to like, but there were people who you respected in the wrestling business that were into it? Because I think pretty early on, I noticed that you were getting some likes from the Texas Rattlesnake. And I <laughs> yeah. feel like when you start a wrestling Instagram and Stone Cold Steve Austin is giving it the double tap, it's like, okay, you know, no matter what anybody says at this point, if I've got Austin's approval, I'm good to go. Dude, yes. So when Steve Austin followed, which was very early on, I think the account had like on Instagram less than 10,000 followers. Uh, it's like almost embarrassing to admit, but I remember every day for like a week, I would check to be like, did he unfollow me yet? Like, is this, did he make a mistake? Like, is, you know, it just seemed really weird. And then that thing is in the back of your head. Every time you post a clip is like, ah, Stone Cold going to like this one? Is, Dude, ah, I, don't, I don't want to post this. this. Is Stone Cold going to unfollow? The struggle is real with that, Sam, especially <laughs> like The Rock is on there, like Kevin Nash, Rey Mysterio, Chris Jericho, like all these big names where I'm not going to lie, where once in a while I'm going through the archive and I'm like, all right, what am I going to post today? And I'm like, that might hurt Kevin Nash's feelings if I put that, like maybe I'll stay away from that one. So it's like trying to find a delicate balance uh, between like not just being a dick, but um, I, I don't know, I guess to the opposite uh, way, I think most of them wouldn't be following the account if they didn't have a sense of humor. So no one's really safe, I guess, at the end of the day. But to answer your question, when Austin followed, uh, there was like, as silly as it sounds, like maybe a little bit more added pressure to like, when I put this clip up, like there's a good chance that like Steve Austin's going to pick up his phone and look at it. Like you better make sure that's like a pretty good fucking clip, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And what's really funny is I, you probably know, but like, you know, I follow a bunch of people who work at WWE, obviously who people don't might not know their names, but they're producers and they're behind the scenes. People, they all like, cause you know, the people that you follow, you see when they like somebody that you follow, you see their name pop up. Right, right. They're, they're all liking your stuff and they're all following WrestleBotch. I'm, I'm pretty lucky with that because, so I don't run a lot of ads on the page. Like, you know, I took some Manscaped money early on because why not? But mm -hmm. for the most part, when people try and uh, get me to run ads, it's like either promoting something like semi-sketchy or weird. And then there's also the issue of like, you know, especially with WWE content, like granted it's four or five seconds of like a four or five hour show. So where is like the fair use in that? Like debatable, but um, for the most part, like um, I do try and like, I guess mix it up a little bit. Um, I guess going back to what we were talking about with like the indie stuff and even putting like some awful like backyard wrestling. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of gems in there for sure. Um, I totally just lost my train of thought. What was the last question? No, I was just saying that, uh, that, that I noticed that there are a lot of WWE oh, producers yeah, yeah. that are watching and enjoying and yeah, I just, a kick I, out of it as well. I just remember my point. So 
uh, starting it and seeing, you know, guys like Austin or the rock checking it out was like, Oh, that's really fucking cool. But, um, the like, uh, backstage guys for WWE, like forming real life relationships with some of those guys, like yeah. going to shows for free and getting to mingle with them. Like even as a 35 year old dude, like the 14 year old wrestling fan in me, when I'm in a fucking suite at the Staples Center watching SmackDown and I didn't pay to go into the show, I'm like, this is pretty goddamn cool, like where this ended up for just posting bad wrestling. So <laughs> I'm very, very thankful for that. And I'll shout out to Chad, who does uh, ticketing for WWE, who's been really, really cool to me. Well, it's awesome because I feel like guys our age, we're all kind of that same generation. We're all the same kind of type of fan, especially if we've, 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 kept with it this whole time like we've kept watching wrestling this whole time and you see a lot of the guys even that are working in wwe that are our age the reason they're there is because they also grew up fans that they they love the same stuff that the rest of us do oh and, absolutely you know? yeah you're totally right totally right yeah do you have um do you have a favorite like person like if somebody sends you a, a clip from this person that you've never seen before are you like, oh my God, if this is good, like this is going to make my day? Yes. So any, I, I've seen so much at this point. Uh, the account's a couple years old now. So there's just, you know, the, the really popular ones that people send you 5 million times you've seen. Sure. But whenever I see something from Sid that I've never seen before, or I mean, growing up, I was more of a WWF slash WWE guy. So I slept on WCW a lot. Like I wasn't uh, switching over to Nitro during the Monday Night Wars. So a lot of that shit I've never seen. Hence, uh, you know, Mongo Monday, like a lot of that stuff, I, I'm not super familiar with the WCW stuff. So I love finding like, uh, especially before WCW went out of business. So like 2000, 2001, it's just a complete shower of shit. There's just so much, like so many bad segments there that whenever someone sends me one from that era that I haven't seen, like I'll definitely, uh, definitely be excited to get that up on the page. You know, and it's interesting, too, because I think it also depends on when you were a fan. Like, there's something – for me, I love watching WWE from 1993. And it's like 93 is not a good year for WWE. Like, there is a lot of bad in 1993. But because I was, you know, 9, 10 years old, whatever it was, there's a comfort food sensation oh, to it and that's All whether whether it's bad whether it's good like it doesn't matter and so when i see even if it's on your page and it's somebody just completely messing something up there's still that sort of home <laughs> feeling oh, when you're oh, watching totally it, right? yeah I'll, I'll raise you 1993 to like 1995 when it was yes. just like the absolute absolute like worst shit ever um but i will find myself just Granted, when I put that on every time, I can't watch it for more than 10 minutes. So I'm like, oh, fuck, I got to cut this clip really quick. Or, <laughs> oh, my God, this guy just said something completely insane. I need So it's like it almost takes the fun out of watching it. But there is a comfort to watching like those bad years. Um, just, you know, it hits the nostalgia buttons the right way or something. So as bad as it is, there is that charm, uh, that childhood, you know, looking back to more innocent times where we didn't we could you know, look up to the Hulkster and didn't have to worry about insurance and fucking bills and all the other miseries of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember uh, years ago, 
I went to a convention. Somebody had invited me to like, they were like, well, you, will you come to our convention? And if we can advertise that you're going to have a table there, you could interview some people. I was like, yeah, whatever. It'll be a good chance to knock out some interviews for the podcast. And they were like, okay, you can interview whoever you want. And I was like, okay, Goldberg. He's there. I want Goldberg. They're like, no problem. And like half an hour in, they were like, hey, man, I don't think Goldberg's going to happen. He's real busy. I'm really sorry. Is there anybody else you want? And I was like, well, if not Goldberg, I guess Alex the Pug Porto. And they were like, we can get to the Pug. Yeah. That's, that's what I ended up getting. And I was so happy with it because I was so fascinated with that era and that specific sort of movement of bringing in the enhancement talent that had a gimmick. And I was like, I, you know, because you didn't have such exposure to everything back then. The internet oh. was, was in its infancy. Unless you were reading Meltzer's newsletter and that's kind of all you had, you could kind of go on that. Not everybody was doing shoot interviews. Not everybody was doing podcasts. So I'm like, yeah, I will sit there and talk to Alex the Pug Porto about going in with T.L. Hopper and Freddie Joe Floyd and the entire era. Fascinating. Dude, I love it. I love it. There's a number of, uh, I shouldn't say jobbers. There's a number of, of uh, enhancement talent that I there would love go. to talk to. Yeah. Like the other day uh, I posted, uh, I think it was like a little montage of Yokozuna, like almost murdering a bunch of enhancement guys. Pretty, pretty fucking brutal to watch. And, uh, I just being a weirdo, I guess, you know, start looking into like, who is this guy? Like, what did he do after this? And there was one or two guys that after they took uh, the bun, what was uh, Yoko? The bonsai? Bonsai drop. Bonsai drop. I want to say bonsai splash. It's like, mm -hmm. I'm going to botch that. Um, after that, they would wrestle like one or maybe no shows. So I'm like, I wonder if like they were legitimately hurt or just like, so turned off from getting fucking squashed by Yoko that they maybe didn't come around anymore. But I bet a number of those guys have some really, really great stories. I would love to talk to them. I guess having my platform, yeah. one of the coolest parts is uh, getting to talk to some of the guys. So I'm not uh, the last professional broadcaster like yourself, wow. but um, I did get to talk to Psycho Sid. Uh, I know the guy who uh, handles some of his business, I guess you'd say manager, but he mostly does his socials. Mm -hmm. um, him hooking me up with Sid, and like trying for like a year to convince him that I'm not going to like ambush Sid. We're not all just going to laugh. In fact, I wanted to talk to him with him about like a, a super serious incident where he had a compound fracture, you know, you know, the incident from WCW. Um, and then we kind of segued into, okay, like, let me ask you about the Shockmaster segment a little bit. Um, but yeah, having a platform to be able to talk to guys like Sid, I interviewed Raven a couple of months ago, talk about the time a fan like ripped him out of the ring. Like if nothing else come from, comes from this other than getting to talk to like some childhood heroes and uh, going to some shows for free and that, that that's good enough for me. And did you get to talk to Sid about having half the brain that you have? I didn't dare to bring up a couple of the like kind of bad promos like that. And yeah. also, I mean, he was being cool enough to like be on camera. Um, you know, I think I talked to him for maybe 20 minutes and I cut it down to like under 10 minutes, just like a quick little, quick little thing. We'll look at these couple of spots and we'll talk about it and that will be it. Um, so, I, I mean, it's again, like going back, like even though my account is fucking ridiculous, it's just posting bad wrestling. Like I do take it seriously to an extent. So when I talk to Sid, I want it to be like a fun chat and I want him to trust me. And I don't want to be like that dude that, you know, ambushes some guy or completely makes fun of him because that's not really the spirit of the page. Right, no, totally, totally. Uh, who would you say 
is underrated in terms of being a, a botch all-star. You know, when I think of people who are your go-tos, I think Mongo, but I also think that Mongo only in the last two years have people realized how great he is in terms of the botch world. I think, you know, you doing Mongo Mondays, I think the what will Mongo do next Twitter account, like I mm -hmm. think that that has shown Mongo in a completely new light. Um, I think obviously Sid is one of the all-timers. Yeah, Sabu think, has to be in that conversation, I think. Oh, sure, yeah, just because, I mean, but he was almost so shameless about it. It was like it wasn't a botch, it was just I agree. Style. I agree completely. And going back to people that comment on the page, again, like 90% of them are get the spirit of the page and having fun. Sabu gets shit on a lot. And I guess maybe some of it he brings on himself uh, just because he said some very questionable things in recent years. And, sure. you know, kind of that uh, Mickey Rourke, the wrestler, kind of broken down guy that's doing VFWs now. It's like almost sad in a way. But I agree with you completely. Like his botches almost work because he was just so reckless and crazy that yeah. even though I will post most of them and they are fun to watch, there's a, a certain charm about them because he was just such a maniac. Yeah, they're hilarious. But at the same time, well, I mean, I would watch, I saw all of them live. I watched ECW nonstop. And it, at no point did I go like, oh, Sabu, like you weren't watching Sabu. You knew Sabu was going to botch but you never thought you thought Sabu was the most badass dude ever because he would throw his body into you with no rhyme or reason, you know? And, and I feel like when he wasn't hitting the rope right or when he wouldn't hit the chair right or when the table wouldn't break, it actually added to the realism of it. It made it oh, seem like it was not rehearsed. Absolutely. It it seem like his opponent, like, what are you doing? Like you are a crazy madman. This isn't wrestling. Exactly. And, and that's part of the, when people send me clips, I, I like to like think, take them with some context. So if it adds to the match, like if the botch like enhances the match in a way, because it's pro wrestling isn't supposed to be the smoothest thing in the world. You know, I mean, I know that current wrestling maybe gets criticized a lot because things looked, uh, they can look very choreographed or, you know, but um, I, I like some of the kind of sloppy, like, old school, like Southern style wrestling, like the brawling. So it doesn't always uh, necessarily have to bother me uh, when someone messes something up to think, oh, this is going to be a great clip to post. Like sometimes it's meant to look uh, sloppy, you know, R pro wrestling doesn't need to be perfect. Right. Yeah. I think uh, Lex Luger is an all-star. Um, oh yeah. Lex is sure. underrated. The other day, yeah. I, I don't know what, what hit me, but um I decided to go really hard on Lex Luger. I just realized like, <laughs> holy shit, I've got like so many Lex Luger clips that I'm just going to post them all today because it will be fun. And he doesn't follow my page. So he, it probably won't hurt his feelings. No one will know. We'll all have some fun. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, Lex Luger, I, I just uh, came to that realization very recently that huh. he's, he has a number. And the thing with Lex Luger's botches is um, he's very versatile. So he'll like have an epic like, promo like breakdown that's awful and then uh he'll have like a big pay-per-view moment that gets colossally fucked up so lex is to answer your question <laughs> from earlier probably high on that list of like underrated guys that has some like really really great fuck-ups yeah scott steiner's on that list i think oh yeah yeah the, yeah one of the problems with uh scott steiner clips is 
at least it was in the beginning. Uh, TNA clips would, for some reason, get yanked down for copyright issues. Hmm. So, yeah, so there's some really, really great Scott Steiner clips that I tried to post early on that just end up getting yanked down. So that's all, also like a careful balance where... I don't want to, I don't want the page to get shut down. Actually, the Twitter account did get shut down a couple wow. of months ago. Yeah, it, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't as big as like the Instagram page, but there was still some like pretty, like Jerry Lawler followed me on Twitter and like Scott Hall. So it, there was like 30,000 people on there. So it was like, you know, doing pretty well for what it was. Yeah. Um, but I guess that's the reality of posting these type of clips is that you're kind of at the mercy of uh, WWE if you're posting some of their stuff. Is there anybody on your list that we wouldn't think would be on the list? I mean, anybody who you, and, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they botch all the time. It just means that when they do, they're like, the, like this person is an all-star because they got a couple of gems that just nobody, nobody considers when they go through that history of wrestling botches. Well, I'll point out one, uh, Clash of the Champions 13 in 1990. The mm -hmm. Z-Man, Tom Zink, he mm -hmm. misses a crossbody. I think he's uh, wrestling Brian Lee um, and goes for the crossbody in just absolutely no one home. And uh, Jim Ross on commentary is like, you know, oh, Brian Lee moved out of the way, like trying his best to salvage it. Mm -hmm. But it's just like it's so bad that it's so fucking fantastic. And I remember I posted this clip early on and like, no one really gave a shit, you know, there's like 30 or 40 comments. And so those are times where I'm like, huh, like maybe I just think this is funnier than it is. And then lo and behold, uh, you know, a few months ago, it's like, I've got a, you know, the Instagram has over a hundred thousand followers. Like people are ready for the Z man clip again. I got to put this <laughs> out there. So I post it again and sure enough, like people understand the greatness. So I don't know about like a single wrestler. Cause I mean, Tom Zink wasn't known for having like a bunch of fuck ups, but that one missed cross body right. uh, against Brian Lee at clash of the champions 13 in 1990 is definitely very high on my list of like favorite uh, botch spots. I, I realized uh, looking at your page recently, because uh, I think about like what what style of botch do I like? Like what is going to tickle me every time? Because there's always those ones that you just watch the video loop over and over again and you just be in a giggle fit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you got? For me, it's the getting hit but not hit that hard and then the hesitation and then the decision to react to it. That's, oh, those are good. I mean, and, and what made me realize it was when you uh, Virgil or Vincent in the NWO Mm -hmm. I, I forget who did it to him. You posted it like recently within the last few days, I think, because it was at the top of the page. But it was like somebody just kind of hits him from behind. And I think that he didn't know if he just got like brushed against or if somebody had hit him. So he turns and looks. He realized that he was hit. and He just throws himself out of the ring. <laughs> and I'm like, That's the type of stuff that I could watch all the time. Like the stuff where, you know, you get hit. And then you pause and you think about it for a second. And then you like throw yourself over the guardrail. Yeah, there's some really, really great clips in that spirit. Uh, WrestleMania, I think it's WrestleMania 3 with uh, the uh, Battle Royal with Andre the Giant knocks out uh, Jim the Anvil Neidhart. I mean, WrestleMania 2. Oh, WrestleMania 2, my bad. Yeah. Botch that one too. Uh, Andre like punches uh, Neidhart and Neidhart just like stands for like – it feels like a couple of seconds and then just like dives over the rope. Uh, Conan <laughs> actually has a great clip too, where 
I can't remember what year it was, WCW, Bret Hart, so we're probably talking 98-ish. Uh, Conan takes a punch from Bret Hart, like hesitates, and then exactly as you described with Vincent or Virgil, you know, diving over the top rope. That's actually the, uh, that, that describes the origins of my hashtag on Sunday, Supercell Sunday. Love which, Supercell Sunday. Thank you. So that used to be like a late sell. And I just, for some reason, Supercell Sunday came to my head and that's what it was. And over time, that sort of transformed into like ridiculous overselling. Mm -hmm. um, so for people not familiar with the page, we have like a, basically a, I say we, like there's a bunch of people running it. It's literally just me, but um, <laughs> there's like a daily hashtag. So like Mike slip Monday on Monday, someone fucks up a promo that's going up there. Table fail Tuesday, a failed table spot that's going to go up on Tuesday. So on Sunday was Supercell Sunday. It was supposed to be originally exactly like we just talked about, kind of those late cells that are really, really ridiculous and funny to watch. And it's sort of morphed into just ridiculous overselling. So uh, I guess going back full circle to what you were saying in the beginning to kind of sticking to the same thing that I've been doing with the page. Um, I like to think that I have for the most part, but there are a couple of things like Supercell Sunday sort of takes a break from traditional botches and moves into more just like overselling. Wasted Fan Wednesday is just literally like maybe like the bar stool sports of wrestle botch where it's fans that jump the barricade and nine times out of 10, get their fucking asses kicked by the wrestlers <laughs> yeah. as soon as they get in the ring. Um, and then doing like maybe little edits here and there doing interviews here and there. Um, so I feel like it does all kind of fall under the wrestle botch umbrella though, the wrestle botch brand of just so. like of all shenanigans, you know, yeah. of bad, bad wrestling, fun wrestling, whatever you want to call it. Questionable choices. Yes, absolutely. Questionable choices. I'll tell you, you also, I mean, you never know how things are going to look uh, on television or whether it was worse in your head or, or, or what happened. Um, I'll tell you my, you know, I, I had a fairly uh, significant and at this point, at least in my life, well-known enough botch uh, on the WrestleMania pre-show. Really? I don't think I have many Sam Roberts uh, file names in my archive. There's not many of them, but this one, I mean, if you go back to the WrestleMania 35 kickoff show. Okay. And it, I believe leads into the Cruiserweight Championship match. Uh, you're going to laugh your balls off. Like, you're, you're going to go, what, what the hell happened? <laughs> I just started repeating actions on the way. Like, it was really bad. Um. But I also, in my head, like everything got screwed up. It was the first hit that was on that kickoff show that was on the WWE Network and the USA Network. Mm -hmm. It was leading into WrestleMania. It was everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. And I was Oof. like, I was like, oh my God. After I was done, I was like, look, I'm, I'm the type of guy who's pretty hard on myself. Like I, 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 don't, I don't remember a time. I, I, very seldom do I leave something going like, I did great. Like almost always the things that I should have done better or, or whatever, that's, that's where I go to. So when that one went as bad as it did, I was like, it's probably in my head. It's probably not that bad. And then it's like trending on Twitter and you want to kill yourself. Well, this is when I knew. Nope. Nope. It was as bad as I thought. <laughs> I walked back to where the, cause I was like the roving Mike guy on that show. And I walked back to where the uh, pre-show podium was. And it was raised a little bit. And I was on the ground. And the match was happening. And I'm like, maybe nobody even noticed. Maybe it was totally in my head. 
And Renee Young looks down from above and she goes like in a sympathetic way, in a really nice way. She looks down and she goes, hey man, what happened? It was way worse than I expected or just as bad as I was expecting. (laughs) Renee had a a classic one. I wish I could, I could probably look it up right now where Renee turned into like R2D2 or like a robot. She just like had a glitch. I, I love that clip and she handled it flawlessly. Like she, accepted it and made fun of herself which i think is fantastic wasn't it in like a royal rumble or something like that probably i think so i think so yeah and everybody but yeah it's it's nice when like that happens and everybody at the table like graves was laughing like everybody's laughing along because you guys have a hard fucking job like i do not envy you like doing live tv i can't i would have a fucking heart attack like even before this podcast like when Adam hit me up, like, hey, you should do Sam Roberts' show. I'm like, okay, cool. That sounds fun. And then I look at your guests, it literally, like, Austin, The Rock, The Undertaker, or, like, you and Jim Norton. I'm fucking I, a big comedy fan, like, a big, big Jim Norton fan. Like, the guests that you guys have had on, Bill Burr. Like, it, it's going into it. It's like, oh, shit. Like, I hope I don't say anything too stupid, or I hope I don't do this or that. So, like, I guess my point, like, and this is for a, like a wrestling podcast. I can't imagine being on live T and a TV and like the responsibility of having to like, and, and I'm sure there's like so much that us fans don't know about what you guys have to do and certain things that need to be said. And like, it, it, I don't envy like what you guys do whatsoever. And I think there's levels to that. Like, I think, I think the, the commentators have it a lot more tough than anything I've ever done, you know, on, on a kickoff show. But I think, you know, I think about the superstars, like I think about the wrestlers and these are people that are the stars, right? So at the end of the day, I can screw up all day long. Like, it's funny that Sam screwed up, but we're not paying to see Sam anyway. So who cares? Like, it's just, it's kind of a goof anyway. You know, when you've got a guy who knows people are paying to see me, I'm the reason people bought their tickets. I have to, not only be live, not only be athletic, but I have to portray a character that I may or may not believe in. I have to remember these lines. I have to stay in character as I'm having this uh, choreographed combat. Like there's so much going into it. And then the minute you miss a drop kick, dickheads like us on the internet are going like, let's get that clip. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. <laughs> It's, it's Dude, <laughs> what was the uh, what? I'm I'm such a poser. What was the uh, last mania at uh, MetLife? Was that thirty? That was thirty six. Thirty six. No, that was okay, thirty five. Rem- that that would have been thirty five. This year was thirty six. So the WrestleMania okay. that I was talking about was thirty four in New Orleans. So thirty five. Yeah. Okay, so I remember uh, I was at WrestleMania 35. A big shout out to Scott Ratner from OBB Productions here in Los Angeles who got me into the show and got us all really great seats and whatnot. And I remember, and you know how WrestleMania is the longest fucking show ever. And um, Batista trips as he's entering the ring. Of Literally, so it's like me and um, Scott Ratner and a bunch of his friends that I was just meeting for the first time that kind of like knew about my page and whatnot. So like Batista goes down and then everyone in my row just kind of looks at me like, you know, dude, it's time to get to work. So I just like run up into like the, I can't remember, uh, not a suite. There's like that little like 
area uh, inside that you could go in. Sure. So I'm like, yeah, I can't remember what it's called, but I'm like on the Wi-Fi, like trying to get like the best source <laughs> of that clip. And of course, because it's mania and everyone's watching, I've got like 37 people sending it to me. Some of them just like recording their TV, like from their phone and like the shittiest quality. So I'm like, completely shift into like, all right, I got to get this out there. Uh, those are the, it's fun. But then there's also times where I'm like, yo, what the fuck am I doing? Like, this is <laughs> like, like, do I really need to embarrass Batista like this bad, you know? Like, yeah. But, yeah. but the but answer the is yes, time, I do. <laughs> yes, you do. At the same time, it's like, of course you do. And like, would I, would I sit there, you know, and, and like when I screwed up, the first thing I did was like, okay, what's the best audio source? I got to, you know, I was literally texting the producers on my radio show and being like, hey, guys, just so you know, this literally just happened. Make sure you have it for tomorrow morning because it's, <laughs> we're going to have to get into You just it. have to own it, right? Yeah, you have to. Dude. You have to. And I think yeah. most of the most most performers are probably thinking the same thing, especially if you come from a place of respect and being a fan and like not doing it to be like, see, I told you you sucked, but just being like, Let's enjoy all aspects of this. Yeah, definitely. I think some of it too, at least as far as uh, social media goes, it comes down to the caption too, because you could, the way you create that caption can completely dictate the way that you're putting that out there. So if it's sarcastic, like one of my favorite things to do is kind of like a, I guess inspired by like the onion or the hard times where it's like breaking, you know, Meltzer confirms, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So for the people that get what you're doing, most of the time you're just fucking around. Like for example, a table doesn't break in uh, breaking Meltzer confirms that the tables were imported from Japan, you know, something stupid like that. Mm -hmm. um, having fun with it. And again, you know, there's that small segment that's like, bro, Meltzer doesn't know shit. What are you talking about? It's like, dude, it's a fucking comedy page. Like, please. Yeah, it's neither here nor there at this point. This is the one wrestling spot where you could go to avoid that argument completely. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Just look at a funny video for a sec. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, anybody that's not already following WrestleBotch, uh, I would imagine that I would not think that there is anybody that listens to this podcast on any kind of regular basis that wouldn't enjoy uh the content that you are uh uh corrugating what's curating 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 the content that you are curating yeah yeah i yeah. like to i like to look at myself i'm not certainly not a content creator you know like right. i said i've done a couple of interviews and like once in a while if I can throw in like a Goodfellas reference that like is funny or, you know, something <laughs> stupid. I'm like, okay, this is fun. But for the most part, I'm just a curator. People send me stuff. And if I think it's funny and if it's in it, and if it fits uh, one of the daily hashtags, then, uh, it, then it will go up on the page. Although it there been are people. It would have been great if we were having this conversation and I had to deal with the fact that you were like a douchebag that was like, you know, a lot of people think that uh, people follow my page for, the videos but it's really my captions that uh that people love it's, it's my <laughs> material that people are Dude, into. i'm not i'm not a delusional enough to think that like steve austin and the rock are like oh this guy ryan's really fucking cool you know like because the, the clips he posts are pretty good but like he's he's more just a, a cool guy uh, I, I wish no but um that being said i right. do like to think that uh, and the botchamania is the og so um and matthew's always been really cool to me but i do think um that to toot my own horn no one 
is either no one can curate the way I do, or at least isn't dumb enough to spend the time that it takes to <laughs> curate the time that I do. Well, yeah, so, no, that's uh, true. I mean, you have to you have to understand funny for the page to be funny. The same way, like the reason that Botchamania has been around for so long is because Matthew is funny and he understands funny and he understands how to get this material together, throw in a Simpsons reference every now and then and make it presented in a way that we can appreciate the humor in all of it. And I think you're doing uh, something very similar to that at WrestleWatch. Well, I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a ton of fun. Awesome, man. We'll, uh, we'll have to do this again. And uh, if you uh, ever have a clips that you specifically want to share or just want to talk about uh anytime come back on i definitely definitely i'll take you up on that i appreciate your time sam cool man anytime thanks for listening follow at not sam on twitter instagram facebook and youtube rate review and subscribe this has been not sam wrestling Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.